Should we do another go run of that? I reckon that one was pretty good. <laughs> but just in case, just in case editing James decided we need one. Episode 21 of Puds in the key of Springfield. Field. Uh, today we are looking at season three, episode one, Stark Raving Dad. And season three, episode two, Mr. Lisa goes to Washington. Mr. Lisa goes to Washington. Mr. Lisa, a character, of course, that we had not met up until this point. No, odd that they would introduce a character at this point. Yeah. Um, you know, season three, episode two. And it's the only episode that Mr. Lisa is in, and Mr. Lisa looks identical to Lisa Simpson and basically replaces her for the duration of the episode. It's strange. It's a bit of a weird choice. Yeah. I don't know what to make of it, but we'll get to it in a moment. We're going to start with Stark Raving Dad, which is, of course, a play on the phrase Stark Raving Cad when a caddish fellow (laughs) comes into your house and starts raving and ranting. Oh, that's interesting. I I thought it was... um... You've already got your pen in your hand and we're using this very, very sensitive microphone. It's going to have to go over there. Um, I thought um, the title of this episode was a play on... The Stark raving fad in the nineties when raves were all the all, were all the rage and people would go nude or starkers and they would go stark raving and it was a fad. Now you're thinking of the park raving fad where people would go into a oh. park and hold like you know those silent raves where everyone's wearing the headphones and they're going doof 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 doof. Oh, the doof doof doof. Yeah, doof 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 doof. But the silent you said. Yeah, but they're going doof 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 because they're listening to the doof doof music. The people are going doof, 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 doof. Yeah, they're going doof, 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 just in the park. Ah. It's stuck raving mad, frankly. I have so much to learn from you, James. Yeah, and tonight you're going to learn some things. Maybe. Maybe we'll all learn something. Could it be a phrase, uh, could it be a twist on the phrase, um, Clark Raven clad, where a house is clad from materials bought from, presumably, real company, Clark Raven? Are you talking... Are you talking about the three-eyed raven who was, of course, Bran Stark originally? Wait. So he was the Stark raven. Well, he wasn't a dad. Unless unless some theories about the last season of Game of Thrones pan out. Oh, it's a Game of Thrones thing. Yeah. Cool. When you said three-eyed raven, I was like, sorry, not familiar with this. Is that a new uh, Ben and Jerry's flavor? I didn't know. <laughs> Suppose if you hadn't seen Game of Thrones, the phrase three-eyed raven is a bit of a weird thing to just throw in there. Yeah, because well, Bran Stark is the three-eyed Raven, by the way. Because I thought you meant Raven Simone, <laughs> who had that her '90s sitcom "That's So Raven," and that is so Raven of you to even think that. <laughs> I've done it again. <laughs> huh. so oh, what's, so, this, what's this podcast about? Um, uh, well, I mean, as a couple of messages we've got from fans have indicated. <laughs> It's loosely based on The Simpsons, but actually it's a springboard for us to talk about the bullshit. I like the way your skin kind of crawls when you say the word fan, like you're confused by it or alarmed. Yep, the bugs are under my skin. Yep. Um, chalkboard gag for Stark Raving Dad. Bart is writing, I am not a dentist. Hmm. Yes. Very curious. Very interesting. Uh, because I have, um, up to this point, honestly thought that Bart was a dentist. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. The way he's always playing with people's teeth. He's teeth. Like pulling them out, pulling, replacing them. Replacing. Putting them in his own gums. In his own gums. Yeah. That's weird. That's um, what most dentists do, right? I don't think it is. I don't think it is. Huh. Okay, so when you go to your dentist, what usually happens? Well, he takes out all my teeth and puts them in his own gums. Okay, but... thank God. So it's not just me then. Well, yeah, but we do go to the same dentist. <laughs> yeah. Um... Um, Clark Raving Dad, yeah. Clark Raving Dad. Is that what you just said? Yes. That's very, very good. Ladies and gentlemen, the podcast is done. (laughs) Michael's clocked it. Clark Raving Dad. Fuck. Okay, perfect. In Springfield. 
Um, my first note for this episode is that the wall phone uh, has the correct number of buttons. All right. Remember, <laughs> is it not meant to? No, I remember in a previous episode, I um, mentioned that the, 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 the old school phone that they have only had nine buttons, which means that they don't have a... They don't have a zero. A zero or a star or a hash. Mm. The one that hangs on the wall next to the fridge, correct number of buttons. That's the first thing I noticed in this episode. Ah, very good. Well, what was this episode about? Ah, uh, this is the one where Homer wears a pink shirt and is, for some reason, committed to a mental asylum as a result of it. (laughs) Yeah, it is the most uh, early 90s plot point imaginable. It is ridiculous. I can imagine, like, a character on Friends wearing a pink shirt and being lambasted for it. Sure. Even a character on Seinfeld. Yes. Maybe. Why are you wearing the pink shirt? Jerry, that's the pink shirt you're wearing. Uh, I'm George. I also have feelings about the pink shirt. I'm Elaine. What's the big deal? It's just a pink shirt. You ever see that episode, The Pink Shirt? The episode of Friends that you're currently quoting from. Yes. Yeah, it was a pretty good episode. Yeah. The one where Phoebe calls herself Jerry all episode. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, very abstract episode. Very Dada-esque. Um, start raving Dada. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's what it was called, yeah. So the, the one where Phoebe could start raving <laughs> Dada. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, so, when Homer is committed to the mental asylum, he um, uh, meets... Michael Jackson yep. in uh, The Mental Asylum. He certainly does. And uh, then the whole town turns against them. There's a riot. Homer gets killed. Death dream. So Lisa's turning eight in this episode. Turning eight years old. Eight. I remember growing up, turning the age of the individual members of The Simpsons. I remember turning eight. I remember turning ten. I think I'm Bart's age now. And then turn eleven. I'm older than Bart now. Last week I turned thirty. Hmm. I'm an old man now. I keep yeah. thinking about how close I am in age to Marge, who is, I believe, 34, 34. when the show begins. Right, yeah. yeah I think when it starts, they put Marge at 34, they put Homer at 36, and then Homer gradually ages up, and I suppose Marge does as well, just at the whims of the creators of the show. So sure. that's been on my mind, that I'm now in the age bracket of the Elder Simpsons. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, because I turned 31, because mm. uh, Pods in the Kia Springfield has the same birthday as the two... Ho- the podcast doesn't have a birthday. <laughs> no, and if it um, did, it would be in January. It would be. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, no, I turned 31. Um, I am severely disinterested by how old I'm getting, actually. Yeah, me too. But I, I feel like uh, I've never been that invested in my own birthday and because of that, I find Lisa's uh, Lisa's attitude towards her own birthday in this one slightly baffling in places. But uh, mm. that'll come up a little bit later yep. in this very episode of Pods in the Key of Springfield. Don't forget to like and subscribe. So right near the start, Bart calls up the Krusty Hotline. Do you remember Hotlines? Yes. Yeah. I want some. Did you ever play um, DuckTale? No, Quackshot. Did you ever play Quackshot video game? Was that the name of it? Quackshot Video Game? I think it was actually called Quackshot The Video Game, maybe. I might be wrong. It was a Donald Duck game, and you had a plunger gun that shot plungers that you could use as temporary ladders. As opposed to a plunger gun that shoots nails. Yes. Um, And the gun could also shoot popcorn and bubblegum for some reason. Uh, I once called the, uh, the Quackshot hotline to get like tips on how to get past wait, the level. Wait, this one game had a dedicated hotline? Yeah, man. What? Yeah. What the fuck are you talking? What? Yeah, no, I did. Why but would in... one game... Are you sure this wasn't like the publisher's hotline? Or oh, well, okay. wasn't like the Nintendo power line or whatever the fuck? It may have been one of those. Okay. Um, It, it may well have been a, a publisher one, but all I remember is it was called this number for Quackshot Tips. Okay. And this was like on the back of the get. Like, this wasn't something I saw scribbled on a bathroom wall. <laughs> and I thought, yes. Um, no, so I called that and they spoke so quickly that I had to call back probably two or three times before I actually got the information I wanted because I couldn't pick it up. I'm just trying to imagine somebody who has that job just to know this one specific game very well, which is actually kind of my job now, now that I really think about it. How many hotlines have you got? 
Uh, I've got, frankly, hotline bling. So many of them. But I can only mean one. Uh, do you ever play Hotline Miami? No, but I've heard it's really good. It's really good. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. So hotlines, that's a very 90s thing. Yeah, because um, now we just have a thing called the internet mm. um, that has all of the information on it and it's all perfectly verified as true and correct. So Yeah, absolutely. I get all of my information from uh, Wikipedia and Braybart. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, no, that sounds fair. Yeah. <laughs> I get most of my um, Donald Duck... That and the Zionist News Network. Uh, yeah. Donald Duck, where'd you get your news from? Well, I was going to say that these days when I'm playing Quackshot, I tend to get my tips directly from Milo Yiannopoulos. Should we take a moment to denounce both Braybart and Milo Yiannopoulos? <laughs> yes, we should. Hey, Milo. Fuck you. Yep. Okay. Uh, so, Homer accidentally wears a pink shirt to work because little body boy. Sorry, did that come through the speakers or just my headphones? Just your headphones. Oh, sweet. Cool. Because <laughs> it just went... And it was really loud for me, but anyway, that's fine. All right, I'm going to keep that in the recording. Uh, Little Barty Boy, Little Bart, who is... Little Barty Boy. Little little Bright Bart, because he's very clever, right? (laughs) Yeah, Bright Bart. Bright Bart. As we have always called him. Yes, we Uh, have. Hey, Milo, fuck you. Mm. Uh, Little Barty Boy, he puts his lucky red cap through the wash. Homer's shirt comes out pink. Mm -hmm. So Homer wears his... Pink shirt to work, and he's very worried. Uh, 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 can I say he's very triggered much? I don't know if that's I it. guess you can. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to stop riffing on the Milo thing. Nesquik's better. Everything is better. That's true. So he wears his um, pink shirt to work, and he's worried that he will be... He's worried that people will judge him. I was writing notes here saying mm. Homer is the most insecure of men... You know, like, masculinity is a prison that Homer is caught up in. He's terrified to just, you know, wear this shirt. He has this to... is silly of him. But he's right. Everyone judges him immediately, and yeah. he gets shipped off to the insane asylum. It is the most early 90s of plots. Yeah, and he has the line, I'm not popular enough to be different. Yeah. Um, which is a really um, uh, interesting line, because um, it does, yeah, encapsulate all the things. But... You would think from the setup of the episode, looking at the episode with a 2017 brain, mm. you would think that the episode would turn into a learning moment where, actually, no, Homer, everyone just is cool with it because who gives a fuck? It's a shirt. Yeah. But no. literally today, same-sex marriage has passed through the Senate yeah. and will be legalized in Australia. So this is very much on my mind while we're watching this because the implication is that Homer is worried that people will think he's... Fruity in some way. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Gave, Or just like, oh. you know, outside of the established straight male norm right. that everyone at the plant falls into. Outside of a very yeah. Which limited... is why I say fruity instead of gay, because I think his... Sure, okay. Outside of, a, be... outside of a very limited scope of masculinity. Yes, right. absolutely. Yeah, cool. And turns out he was completely correct to be worried about that. Yes, absolutely. In a weird twist. Because for some reason, Mr. Burns has a bank of colour monitors where he watches <laughs> employees enter the building. But I think it basically works in the context of the episode, because the episode... Is, I want to say, very critical of how we treat mental health problems. Sure, okay. This might be a bit of a reach, but I think... Sure. My reading of this episode was that it actually recognises the issues with uh, how mental health is treated and recognised and all of that. Okay, quick question. Sure. If we're talking about ways that we treat mental health... Yeah. Do you think the... Dr. Marvin Munro, take-home personality test... I'm going to take that again, sitting slightly further back. Do you think the <clears throat> Dr. Marvin Munro's take-home personality to fuck? <laughs> this microphone's too good. Um, uh, if I face too far Try away. Try it with your hand over your mouth, maybe. So, yeah, it's not a bad idea. Um, do you think that the <clears throat> Dr. Marvin Munro's take-home personality test is a good or a bad diagnostic tool for mental health? As far as I can tell, it's the very best method that the we have available very to us. best! Yeah. Okay, cool. Just checking. Yeah. That was worth the nine takes it took. 
I mean, that's how I evaluate my mental health. I just tick a bunch of boxes and it tells me, you know what, you're probably fine. The fact that the darkness seems to be closing in is not that big a deal. Do you just, mean, you know, why don't you just like man up? I've got a question. Piece of shit. I've got a question. This is the Milo Yannanopoulos stats, by the way. Fuck. I'm it was on Braveheart. I just ticked the boxes <laughs> and it told me. I've got a question. When you say the darkness is closing in, do you mean the, the mid-2000s Brit rock band? Uh, no, I mean the 2008 or so video game by Starbury Studios, The Darkness. Starbury. Based on the uh, the comic book series with Jackie S. Escardo, I think his name was. Hunter S. Thompson. Yeah, Hunter S. Thompson. Yeah. Yeah, Fear and Loathing on the Campaign Trail. He wrote some great video games, from what I understand. Yeah, he did. Yeah. He wrote Hell's Angels, which was later adapted into Road Rash. Fuck, really? No. Oh, I'm obviously me. lying. <laughs> Road Rash is one of the games I loved as a kid. Never rang the hotline, but one of the games I loved. Okay, well, that's a shame that you never rang the hotline. I mean, it's a, it was a good game. <laughs> I thought you were swinging real hard against one of my favorite games then. That yeah, was great. I enjoyed if it. If I ever hear you besmirch Zombies Ain't My Neighbors, which in Australia was just called Zombies, <laughs> things are going to be difficult. <laughs> I was thinking about this episode in the context of it being a season premiere. Sure. And because it's been a few weeks since we've recorded an episode as well, it's very comforting being back with these guys, being back in the house, being back with this family. It feels like they do a little bit of reintroduction in parts, you know, like the establishing shot of every character sort of tells you a little something about them. I like the shot of Marge with all the hairspray. Yes. All the other stuff that's going on in this episode felt very nice. It's good. And then eventually we get home and watching uh, America's Funniest Home Videos or something along those lines. Yep. And we get three videos. Man Breaking Hip. Good. Dog on Fire. Baby with a Nail Gun. Yes. I was thinking. Yes. All of these videos would still be viral sensations today. Oh yeah, absolutely they would. And if anything, I took away from this that uh, that was meant to be a comment on how low... Uh, entertainment had sunk in 1991. Well, mm, and I'm, yeah. I, I apologise to break it to the writing staff of the 1991 era Simpsons, but man, it's got worse. Yeah, now it, we've got a man gets turned, uh, tag a dog this hot, and uh, oh my god, look at this adorable baby! Uh, holy shit, that man is dead. Well, are they, hang on, were they, were they the 2017 rewritings of those the, those three videos? Yeah, sure. Man gets turned. Yeah, man gets turned. Tag, tag a bloke this turned. Oh, okay. Oh, man. I know, look, I don't want to see him talk about memes, but <laughs> those memes where it's like, here's 20 names, tag someone. Far out. I don't get the appeal. Anyway. No, don't ever tag us in those things. Please don't. Uh, kind listeners of the show unless you really want to tag maybe the Facebook page for our podcast on these very popular memes get us some listens maybe. yeah I mean if you can find one of those lists where one of the options you know in amongst your your, your Steves and your and your Toms and your Arnolds if there's one that says pods why not tag pods in the key of Springfield yeah, and if you if you want like some berries that will give you more energy, I've got a whole shed full of them, and I gotta offsell them somehow. All right, I'm trapped into this pyramid scheme, and I'm looking for a way out. I need your help. Have you, you heard of Michael Jackson? Uh, I'm just gonna pause there to take read you a moment for our brief sponsor, shedfullofberries.com. <laughs> You'll love a shed full of berries. Definitely not a pyramid scheme. Definitely haven't got a gun to my head. Come buy pemmican from us today. <laughs> Shed full of pemmicanberries.com. Um, do you think if this episode was written in 2017, um, it wouldn't be a pink the colour shirt, it would be a pink the artist shirt that Homer didn't want to wear to work? Like, all the shirts were destroyed. The only one left was pink. Um, okay. Uh, the, the pop singer. Yeah. And uh, that's what he wears to work. And then, if it was a Mother Simpsons, Pink would be in the episode, and the entire episode would be about Pink. Yes. Have you seen the Lady Gaga episode of The Simpsons? No, is it good? No. I can't even joke about it. It's very bad. We'll get to it eventually. I believe our friends, uh, Elliot J. O'Neill and company over at The Simpsons Index, I believe they did not rate that episode well. No, because it's bad. Because it's bad. Tremendously bad. By the way, I'm sure that if you are a listener of ours who is listening to this, you've probably seen us... 
flog this all over our socials. But uh, by the time this episode goes up, probably three or four weeks ago, we were lucky enough to appear on an episode of The Simpsons Index. The, the, the Simpsons Index. The online spreadsheet that is also a podcast. We appeared on the podcast and then our data was put in the spreadsheet. You know what, um, one thing that that podcast definitely has over us? What? They talk about The Simpsons sometimes. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, okay. Hint taken. So have you heard of Michael Jackson? That was my question. Yes, I've heard. Yes. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. I haven't heard of this so-called Ben and his rat army, but I have heard of the Michael Jackson. Yeah, ben, uh, we need to look no more. We both found what we were looking for. It was in the episode of The Simpsons. Oh, is that that? So- uh, he says Homer. Uh, uh, see, that's what... That's the part that I found difficult to deal with. Because Homer and Ben are different names. But then he sang that one, Homer Jean is not my lover. <laughs> and then he sings uh, Hotline Ben. You know, it all links back together. <laughs> Everything is interconnected. Uh, so let's talk more about Stark Raving Ben. Um, <laughs> um, ben, if you're listening. Ben, hello. Lord Ben 10. Um, <laughs> I've got... That is too specific. <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke that nobody... <laughs> recognize it's fine it's fine it's fine um i've got a specific person i've got an insult that we that only i know (laughs) i've never met him anyway i'm I'm not dignified enough to meet a lord (laughs) let alone lord ben 10 i have an insult watch okay uh mayor quimby refers to the town of springfield as a jerkwater berg jerkwater berg jerkwater berg is that like Alec Berg's burnout son. Alec Berg. Yeah. Um, maybe. Jerkwater, get over here. <laughs> a jerkwater. I mean, that would be a prime case for, um, I believe it's called nominative determinism. Jesus, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the concept that uh, certain names can have an influencing effect on a, on a career or a profession. You know, like if you call someone um, uh, Jerry Steak... They might become a butcher. <laughs> Don't know why Jerry had to do that. <laughs> Don't know why it's the surname either. That's, uh, well, yeah. Because surnames used to denote... Oh, they used to denote profession. Yeah, True. that's why you got like some people with like the surname Shoemaker. Yes. Or Schumacher, which indicates you're going to drive really fast. Yes, totally. Yeah, um, and yeah so the... Uh, I probably butchered that explanation in nominative determinism, but my point was calling your son Jerkwater would be a pretty good way of ensuring they turn out to be a jerkwater. I have a lot of notes left. Yeah, man. <laughs> so do you. Don't let me hold you up. <sighs> it's just, you know, I had I had this cousin jerkwater. He was a really nice guy, but because he was called jerkwater, people always thought he was wetter than he was, you know? <laughs> so what you're talking about is is nominative moisturism. Yeah, people are like, hey, buddy, you been in the pool again? What's going on? But he was dry as a bone. That reminds me of that Friends episode where Chandler was going, could I be any more in the pool? It shrinks. <laughs> Fuck. What's the deal with being in the pool? That was Joey. <laughs> How you doing in the pool? These are barely even jokes. I don't know what's happening. We haven't even had anything to drink today. Uh, no, literally nothing. Maybe that's the problem. We're mad dehydrated. <laughs> so this is a very, very briefly turns into a very loose parody of One Floor Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And oh. we get to see that the Chief is there. And uh, I'm glad to see the Chief is doing well. Because I have been worried about the Chief since he broke out of the uh, the asylum at the end of One Floor Over the Cuckoo's Nest and ran away. I also have seen movies. Yeah, I'm talking about the book here, Nick. So try to keep uh, up. No, I've not read the book. Nick, do you not go over the reading list I give you before every episode? Oh, sorry. I thought I had to read the list. I didn't realize I had to go find what the things on the list were connected to and read those too. Okay, so when I get into Cervantes later, you don't have anything to... Cerveza? Yeah, Cerveza. Mexican for beer. Oh, I've been getting stuck into the cervezas. Don't you worry, man. Okay, brilliant. Good. Okay. We're set then. Okay, good. We're all right. Sweet. There's a scene where Bart imagines when he finds out that Homer is um, in the mental health institution. Yes. He has this dream sequence where Homer's had a lobotomy. Sure. 
And I've never thought about it too much, but this is a very weird scene. Yes. As Bud imagines, he's got one of those paddle ball things where he's got the paddle and the ball attached to the string. Yep. And the ball bounces off and knocks over a lamp. Mm. And the lamp breaks and Homer says, that's okay, son, because he's lobotomized. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is such a mundane fantasy oh, I mean, that how, Bart has. How many times has Bart broken a lamp and no one's done anything anyway? Yeah. It is It is very mundane. It's one of his defining traits. When Matt Groening uh, originally pitched the show, he said, you know, Bart's the kind of kid who breaks a lot of lamps. And his parents, not that fuss, frankly. So he's one of the building blocks of the show. And he just, you know, he imagines... Building blocks of the show, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, and he said, Maggie's always building blocks, but nobody ever notices that they spell out E equals MC squared, which actually happens in the second episode. Yeah. Yeah. So, very weird that Bard's fantasy of Homer being lobotomized doesn't amount to anything more than Bart playing with a very antiquated toy. Yeah. Breaking a lamp and suffering no repercussions. Hmm. Do you think they they held back on that? Because if they thought they showed Bart getting away with, you know, destruction of an entire town and then lobotomized Homer being there, that would make the scene a little too horrific. Whereas in this, they've it's just a little silly bit of nonsense, kind of like peeling a mushroom. Just a silly little bit of nonsense. Have you been peeling your mushrooms? No, I, I, I don't. That's why I think it's nonsense. <laughs> Wait, is that a thing people do? Oh, in the 80s they did. Why? Uh, they used to, oh God, this is such a specific thing. In the eighties, it was very trendy to put too much effort into food. <laughs> and so you used to peel mushrooms in a certain way that when you looked at, at the result, it would have like a, a swirl pattern going around it because you've, you've peeled it off in kind of, um, in creating ridges as you peel it. Remember how I said at the start of this episode that we were all going to learn something? Mm-hmm. Turns out I was right. Remember how just before we hit record, I said I refuse to talk about The Simpsons tonight? <laughs> Turns out I was right. <laughs> Homer is in the uh, mental health institution for quite a while before anyone contacts his family. And even then, nobody actually contacts Marge. Mm. Homer has to ring up himself and say, mm. Hey, I'm, I'm here. Uh, Mamma mia, please come get me. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. Which is odd. And then mumblemia.com.au started the Kickstarter campaign. <laughs> yeah, it was a ref- GoFundMe, I think. Oh, sorry, a GoFundMe. Yeah. Oh, because then they get to keep the funds even if they don't hit the target. Yeah, exactly. That's good. That's yeah. clever. I like it. It's smart. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then they had to they had to send, um, uh, I, I think it was they sent a, a helicopter to pick him up. I'm not sure. Well, eventually uh, the stakes drop from quite high to almost nothing. Homer just gets out because he's not... Sure. He doesn't belong there, obviously, so he yeah. leaves. Uh, Michael Jackson, who we have not talked about at all, now that I really think about it, oh, yeah. who is in this episode. Oh, yeah. Pop sensation Michael Jackson, playing a character who believes himself to be Michael Jackson. When you say pop sensation, do you mean those little vinyl dolls? You know I do, yes. Yeah, good. Yeah. Those are, to me, sensational. Sensational. Big shout out to the Adelol podcast, <laughs> boys. Sensational. So... Uh, yeah, they leave Michael Jackson again playing himself, except when he's singing, then they get an impersonator to do that. Yeah, I find that, because I've known that bit of trivia for a long time, and I find it very, I've, I've always found it very strange, but I think tonight, you've you've really hit the nail on the head for me with, a, with your hypothesis about what the explanation was. Uh, was that the egg flip theory that I had? <laughs> Fuck. No, it was your theory that he probably had a contract with... Sony or MCA or oh, whoever. Oh, you mean like my real life theory for yeah, why? Yeah, 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 yeah. That said he can't do any singing that's not for them. Which makes sense. Yeah. That or this is just like a Michael Jackson from a different dimension has kind of flipped in to this dimension. I mean, it would be pretty remarkable for a, a Michael Jackson from another dimension to, to flip into the actual Simpsons recording studio and for no one to think it was noteworthy. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh... It is odd. Or it might, I don't know, it's like uh, talking and singing are very different kinds of work when you sing for a living. I don't know, there's some reason for it. There's also the fact that Michael Jackson was an odd gentleman. Yes. And there might have just been a odd reason. He was an eccentric man. Yes. And maybe just like the cost of recording him would have gone up astronomically if he had sung. Sure. Who knows? Sure. Who knows? So, yeah, they go back and it's not really Michael Jackson. And everyone says, Michael Jackson? 
Then he gets out of the car and they say, that's not Michael Jackson. And then Lisa's very sad. Um, so uh, they rock up back from the from the mental institution. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised, to be honest, that at no point... Like, I know that Marge is a dag. Yeah. Um, but I'm surprised that she didn't have enough cultural awareness to know. Especially because it's shown that Bart has a copy of Michael Jackson's album. I suspect that means Marge was the one that bought it. Um, so it's odd that Marge doesn't have just enough social awareness to know that, hey, this guy isn't Michael Jackson. This is very clearly not Michael Jackson. He very, was yeah. famous singer probably of the era. Yes. Yes. Mm. What's your favorite Michael Jackson song? My favorite Michael Jackson song is Lisa, It's Your Birthday. Oh. Or possibly Do the Bartman. <laughs> I fluctuate between the two. I mean, they are both classics. Mm. Everybody, if you can... Do the Bartman. And then you'll go to the boat show. Exactly. Yes. No, you can't go. Oh, no, but if you do the Bartman, you can, I think. Oh, okay. Well, this is interesting. I think I think there's a bit of a, a bit of a little hidden clause there. A bit of there. a thing is there. I once called a I once called a boat show hotline. <laughs> and it said you can't go if you haven't finished mowing the lawn. You can go if you've done the Bartman. Okay, okay. For anyone that hasn't heard Eat My Shorts 3, that bit probably doesn't make any sense for you, but that's Yeah, fine. and statistically fewer people have heard that one than Eat My Shorts 1 or 2. Mm. Especially 2. 2 really went off, I don't know. Yeah, 2 was good. Yeah. Well, 3 was really good, I thought. Yeah, I like that one. Um, when, the, um, when it is revealed that uh, Michael Jackson is not Michael Jackson, um, there is a wonderful newspaper headline. Um, Michael Jackson hoax... And then the tagline, everyone mad at local boy. Yeah, which is um, the same headline that was actually on the front of our local paper when I burnt down that village accidentally. (laughs) What? (laughs) You don't remember that one? I burnt down that village? No, I don't remember that. Was I away that week? Yeah, you weren't at school that week, but... Uh, it oh, was... we, were, we were at school at the time. Yeah, it was all over the... Well, I was a boy. I feel like that story would have lasted longer than a week. No, by the time you got back, somebody else had been down a hospital, so it was... Uh... <laughs> Jesus. What's... What a weird riff. <laughs> Wouldn't worry about it. So, Lisa, it's your birthday. Sure. That's how the, the episode ends, essentially. Yep. Something I'd never really noticed until this viewing, because I never really thought about it. Lisa, it's your birthday. There's nothing to that song. Oh, no. At all. I mean, well, you get two versions of it. You get the one that Michael Jackson and um, Bart sing to Lisa. And that is just piano and a bingo, which is what I call a bongo made out of a bin. And what bothers me about that is the bingo bongo sugar in the gas tank is essential to this performance. But Bart walks into that room without an instrument Mm. He walks in, he picks up Lisa's bin, he tips the garbage on the floor, and then starts playing it like a bongo, mm. like this was unprepared. But it is clearly an essential component. The mm. song ends with a bongo solo. Yeah. What was his endgame there? Did he walk in knowing that the bin was there and going to be available? Or is Bart a musical genius and he just winged it? Well, we know that Bart is a genius. Mem saying Bart, Rabbi has memory. Yeah, so yeah. Um, I think he's winging it. Interesting. He must be. Even though the song would not work without drums. No, it would be, well, it would be a lot less interesting. It would be even more inconsequential, or even less uh, consequential. consequential, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> and then, but then the, the second version of the song we get is over the end credits, we get like a, a full band version. Yeah, where Lisa's joining in. Yeah, yeah. With to a bit of save a, the song. With a bit of a saxophone. Yeah. Uh, and that's got, you know, a proper drum kit behind it and stuff like that. So... But even then, it's a very simple song. I think it only has two chords. Yeah, but Lisa, it was it's co- your birthday. God bless you this day. You gave me the gift of a little sister. I'm proud of you today. I wish you something and something. I Peace. wish you something and joy. I wish you better than your heart desires. Your first kiss from a boy. Those are the only lyrics. Eight feels like too young to be wishing kisses from boys. Yeah. That's a lot of pressure to put an eight-year-old. Like saying, this is the year. This is the year. Where some grotty fucking dude is going to kiss you on the mouth. And it's going to be disgusting. Uh, it's not cool. It's, it's not it's, a cool thing. To... It's not a cool thing for someone to say. And yeah. I really hope um, that the writers have had a good, hard, long look at themselves. About but then that it's lyric. like a 
a thing when you're a kid, like the pressure of knowing that at some point you're meant to have had your first kiss and it hasn't happened yet. Like if that started happening oh, at sure. eight, oh my god, that can, would be fucking horrifying. Can you imagine? Oh. It's like imagine if you're eight and you were thinking, I'm meant to kiss a girl now mm. or a boy or a boy. Yeah, It'd be awful. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, when I was eight. My day spent was revolved mostly around spinning in circles, I think. Yeah, all day, over. every day. All day, every day. Your teacher would say, Nick, you need to sit down. And you'd say, Can't sit down now, I'm spinning. <laughs> and then you vomited everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. I tried to model myself uh, model. <laughs> I tried to model myself on Tazzy Devil. Yeah. That's why he kept making those weird blah, 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 noises and spinning around and uh Yeah. Yeah. What else did Tasmanian Devil do anything other than that? Was he like a character? Yeah, he was a character. He used to spin around and he was, he was a rabble rouser. <laughs> okay. He was a I mean, I know he was like rambunctious, but was he anything else? Like did he have a personality? He was a turbocharged mega spinny rambunctious rabble rouser. The only um the only Tazzy Devil quote that I remember, apart from that there's another one. Is in Space Jam. Uh, when they they get to the old basketball gym that's all decrepit and shit, and then they they go on a, a cleaning montage to get it, you know, looking all spick and span and shiny. Mm. Um, and Tazzy's going around with like a mop with a, with a bucket, and then he comes zooms right up to the camera and goes, "Lemony fresh." Yeah, that classic Taz Devil line, "Lemony fresh." I say it quite a bit, to be honest. Don't think I've ever heard you say it. You've also never seen me clean. Something I do once every three years. Which is funny because I lived with you for quite a long time. And did I fucking clean while you live with me? No. How long did you live with me? Six months. Well, I mean, it wasn't six months and I didn't clean either because I was depressed and living in your spare room. Yep. Yep. Just yeah. adding to the deep mythology of you, uh, you, you were in my spare room. We were both in a state of squalor. I'm what I used to refer to as the Nick and James extended universe. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Um... So that's um that's whatever episode we were talking about. Uh, that's S three E Stog Stog Raven uh, Cod. It's about birds and fish. Stork Raven Cod. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna have to write that down now, so that when we start doing the callbacks <laughs> to Bort gets hauled like a court, um, we know that it's Stork Raven Raven Cod. Yep. Okay. And now we move on to season three, episode two. Mr. Lisa goes to, to Washington, D.C. Oh, nice nice little, it's very um, geographically accurate of you there, James. So as we established earlier on in the um, episode, and I haven't yet decided whether to carry on this gag or not, but we're introduced to Mr. Lisa in this episode, the um, the little little man who looks and acts exactly like, exactly Lisa, Simpson. like Lisa Simpson. Yeah. Um, Chalkboard gang in this one, spitwads are not free speech. Interesting thing about this is, at the end of the episode, I'm jumping all the way to the end, the final shot is, maybe the final shot, is Bart using his little bloody, what are those things called? What are the Dennis the Menace things called? His little bloody slingshot to fire something at the irritating piano player. Possibly a spitwad, and I would maintain that was an act of free speech. Uh, But he takes, I think it's... Little bigger than a spitwad because the implication seems to be that he has badly injured this man at the end of oh, this episode. Okay, maybe maybe bigger than a spitwad. So Mister Lisa goes to Washington. Uh, the first like forty fucking minutes of this episode, I swear, is Homer just getting really into a magazine, and then the rest of the episode is Lisa realizing that America's not very good until she thinks maybe it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gonna put it out there. Not my favorite episode. Wasn't really looking forward to watching again, and. Uh, not good. Yeah, this is one of those ones like when we think about classic Simpsons, I tend to assume that they are all good mm. until I'm actually watching some of them with a pen and paper in hand and thinking, sure. ah, this one's not great. Mm. Yeah, this one feels um, weirdly kind of, I'm going to say directionless. Yeah. Because it's having a crack at American politics, but also then goes on a completely unresolved pivot to be in favor of the American political system. Mm. Uh, to show that it can, uh, yeah, which I guess, like especially it. in the year two thousand and seventeen, and presumably still in two thousand and eighteen, when this episode goes up, seems very tone deaf. Mm-hmm. I assume the world won't fix itself in the next month before oh. we put this episode up. Man, it'd be nice if it did, but given that it's been 
13 months and the world hasn't fixed itself yet. Yeah. I uh, can't see that happening. I mean, the mere fact that I can't even think of, like, a person who I could say, oh, the world would be better if we had this president, because then it would just turn out they did something terrible as well. What Whoever we, I could possibly name. What if we put Milkshake Duck in as president? Ah, oh, I love that Milkshake Duck. That oh, duck that... Just got a notification on Twitter. No. Oh, okay. Not. What does it say? Uh, have you ever used a shoehorn before? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that worked on two levels and I really enjoyed it. <laughs> uh, no, I have not, Nick. Well, I've tried to use one once and I found it, frankly, baffling. Yeah, because Homie uses a shoehorn in this episode. How, how hard is it? I mean, look, I understand maybe if you've got a mobility issue, but... For for someone with no mobility issues, I just don't see what a shoehorn is for. Well, Nick, I think you may have just shoehorned perfectly. So sick. I think you understand shoehorns perfectly well. <laughs> All right, nice. So the opening of this episode, Homer gets an issue of Reading Digest. Reading Digest, which is not the most subtle of names. Nope. And proceeds to read it and really enjoy it for a length of time. And that's strange. That's a strange way to open an episode. It is strange to read something and enjoy it. You're right. Have you ever read something and enjoyed it? No, I didn't think so. <laughs> Did I ever tell you about the time I won $1,500 in a Reader's Digest competition? Are you fucking serious? I'm fucking serious. No, you haven't told me that. Okay. They... Hang on. <laughs> we need to we need to come up with a sting for your bloody weird prize winning because you've had a couple of ridiculous <laughs> windfalls in the last 10 years. Well, this one is probably the most ridiculous, so okay. let's just put it out there. We'll so, start with the bang. So Reader's Digest, um, a few years ago, because I'm a freelance writer, I was looking into, you know, where can I make some money? And I wound up on the Reader's Digest website somehow, trying to figure out if I could, you know, scam some money out of them somehow. I say scam, but what I actually mean is swindle. Uh, I, I was having a look, and I saw they uh-huh. had a competition to find Australia's best joke. Oh, God. So I thought, oh, okay, I'll, um, you know what, I'll submit a joke. I'll think of a joke that I've read online somewhere and enjoyed, and I'll submit and see what happens. Huh. So I put in a joke, and uh, the joke was, uh, uh-huh. a polar bear walks into a bar and says, I'll have a scotch and coke. And the bartender says, why the long pause? Polar bear replies, I don't know, I've always had them. That's the joke. Not a great joke. <laughs> but it was okay, so I, I submit that. <laughs> And, uh, I'm laughing more at the concept of that joke than the joke itself. And every week they would pick like 10 of these jokes and those people who were one of the 10 would be sent like a prize. It was like a book and like a screwdriver or something. It was a weird prize. What? I can't remember exactly. It was some sort of tool and a book of jokes. So they sent me that. I thought, oh, good. I made it into the t- top 10 that week. Right. I forget about this for a while. Yes. Weeks later, I'm back, back on my bullshit, back online. And I think... Huh. I wonder, like, what the jokes they chose for, like, the final top ten on this were for Australia. Because this is, like, a worldwide thing where every country would have, like, a nominee for, like, the grand final. Are you... Look, sidebar for a moment. (laughs) Sidebar during this long, unrelated rant, yep. Time out during this anecdote. Yep. They know that that jokes are not bound by the boundaries of nations, right? (laughs) Yeah, but they're trying to find the funniest country, I suppose. Wow. So they, um, I go and check. What a flawed premise. And my timing is perfect because not only is the top 10 list up, but it has like just gone up and voting is open. So you can vote for which one you like. Sick. And it's kind of hidden away on the website. It was Mm. hard to find, but I find it. Because they're ashamed. And yeah, I see my joke is in there. Fuck. And I'm like, huh, (laughs) that's a bit weird. All right, well, I guess I'll vote for myself. I voted, and mine was in the lead, but, like, the poll was such that I could tell that very few people had voted. Like, it must have been fewer than ten. Are we talking, like, a one for Martin, two for Martin situation? I think it was, like, everything was a multiple of ten, so it was, like, maybe ten people had voted, or maybe it was even less than that. Like, maybe everything was a multiple of eleven, but I, I thought, huh, this is interesting. Alright, so I went on Facebook, I made like a page or an event just saying, hey guys, um, so this is happening and there's like a substantial cash prize 
of fifteen hundred dollars. Mm. If you could go and vote for me, that'd be really good. Because I mm. thought, obviously, nobody knows this poll is here, mm. and if I get a really strong lead early on, by the time anyone else finds it, they'll be disheartened and just won't be able to rally their friends to vote for them. Interesting, because they won't think they're able to win. Sure. And that turned out to be right, because by the second day, I had like 85% of the votes. Wow. And I think by the end, it had dropped to like 45%, but still like the clear winner. But still, in 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 a list of 10, 45% yeah. is yeah. huge. And the thing is, um, probably like the fourth best joke there, so you yeah. know, I can't feel too bad. And, and here's an interesting way to, um, to look at those numbers... More people voted for your joke than voted against same-sex marriage in Australia. Yeah, I mean, if you want to, I mean, percentage-wise, sure. No, I'm sure it related to people. Yeah, I'm sure that every nearly, you know, what was it, like 7 million people voted. Yeah. Well done, by the way, Australian public, and uh, fuck you, Australian government, for taking so much time and having a plebiscite. Uh, So, what were we talking about, The Simpsons? Um... Reader's di- Reading Digest. Yeah, you're talking about Reading Digest. Yeah, it just goes on forever. Did I ever tell you about the time I won, like, $1,500, by the way? From You did, but can you tell me the story about when you won the enormous block of chocolate? Oh, that was just, like, a raffle I entered. Oh, shit. But yeah. wasn't it, like... Wasn't it, like, a 70-kilo block? No, not, it was not, 10 kilo. 10 kilo. Yeah. yeah it okay. was too much. It's a lot of chocolate. Yeah. Because it was like a Cadbury Dairy Milk block, right? Yeah. But like a huge block. Yeah, 10 kilo. 10 kilo. It was divided into five two-kilo bricks, basically. No way. It was fucking massive. I thought, oh, that's... Oh, I wanted it to be one contiguous <laughs> piece. What, with no segmenting? Oh. So you're just biting into it? Sorry. That's, yeah, good... Pick up on my incorrect use of the word contiguous, presumably. Um, uh, no, I, I wanted it to be an enlarged but standard block. Yeah. Well, it was, I mean, it was still like a two kilo block is really big. Yeah, but I want. And there were five of them. But I want bigger. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. You could have got out a little chocolate welder and then like <laughs> welded along the seams to melt and join them. Chocolate welder. A little chocolate welder. Oh, it's me, little welder. <laughs> oh, little welder. So the Simpsons. Um... <laughs> now this is a case of nominative determinism you wouldn't believe if it weren't true. My name's Chocolate Welder. And what I do <laughs> is I weld chocolate. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> it's going to be our longest episode if we've said nothing. Ah. <laughs> uh... uh... Fuck. So, um, this episode has the reverse structure of every other episode. In this, so? it starts being all about Homer on this very inconsequential plot. Oh, sure, sure, sure. And then pivots to being about Lisa, like, four minutes in, and then it's about her for the rest of it. Good. Exact reverse of every other episode. So Lisa decides she wants to write an essay for an essay writing competition, and she writes what seems like a pretty bad essay. And then she has a whole journey, and then she writes what seems like a pretty good essay. Well, I've actually got her essay here. Okay. A polar bear walks into a bar. Okay. No, sorry, I'm reading from the wrong thing. That was okay. that was your joke. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. It's awkward. I, I haven't Do got... I have to pay you money now? No, you have to pay me royalties. That's right. Um, huh. Yeah, that's, um, that's fine. You bought dinner. I just won't pay you back for that. Oh, okay. Jesus. <laughs> um, what happens in this episode? We see Nelson... Reading his essay at one point. Yeah, that's an interesting one. And it turns out Nelson is intensely patriotic and he loves the flag. Yep. And Nelson says, if you're going to burn the flag, you better burn your shirt and your pants and your car and your house and your TV. Yeah. Because if it wasn't for the flag, none of those things would be available to you either. It's yeah. like, whoa, guess what? None of those things are made in America anymore. Or by and, flags. Or, or by flags. Yeah. And to be honest, in the 90s, most of those things probably weren't made in America either. No. Except maybe for Cotton Dockers, the pants they talk about in this episode of Friends. Yeah. So no one told you that pants could be this way. Pants, pants, pants. That's nothing. I'm genuinely losing my mind. 
I think this entire episode of the podcast has been us trying to avoid talking about Mr. Lisa Goes to Washington. Yeah. Just desperately trying to avoid talking even, about this season three episode neither of us really likes. Even when we were talking about um, season three, episode one, Stork Raven Cod, <laughs> we were still trying to avoid talking about Mr. Lisa Goes to Washington. Um, so Lisa goes to the statue of... Uh, the woman who Winifred Beecher Beechworth Howe Howe My handwriting's bad I can't read it That's all all good She led the Flormont Rebellion of 1910 After 25 minutes of Google searching I've determined that there was no Flormont Rebellion of 1910 Yeah This person does not exist Beechworth Howe does not exist Kind of disappointing actually Because you know They could have chosen like an actual woman. Who, an actual yeah. feminist figure. Yeah. Like um, Nancy Morgan Hart, for example. Yeah. Who is that? I don't know. That's in a song lyric. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You know, so no one told your life was going to be this way. Nancy Morgan Hart led the feminist way. That one. Yeah, pretty good. I mean, it could have been a lot worse. I had, I had nothing at the start of that. Um, also, I find it interesting that the um, Springfield newspaper is called the Springfield Shopper, and I get that. I feel like that's meant to be a commentary on how heavily um, advertising and you know not very journalistic the newspaper is. Difficult to be convinced by that because we live in Adelaide and our paper is literally called <laughs> the, the Advertiser. advertiser yes. We can't and we can't get too high on our horse for that one. We know how we see this newspaper. It's like an incongruous, like old timey newspaper boy handing out newspapers, say extra, extra. Yes. Which is not played as a joke. Mm. This is just a newspaper lad. Yeah, that's weird. It is weird. This whole fucking episode is weird. It's really weird. So like I said, the plot is basically hard. Lisa thinks that America <laughs> Lisa. is good. Mr. Lisa, I should say. Mr. Thinks- Lisa. Thinks that America is good. So she goes to Washington, or he goes to Washington, Mr. Hey, Lisa. Yes, Mr. Lisa. And says, uh, I'm Mr. Lisa, and I think America is good. Yes. But then she sees a congressman getting bribed, and she realizes that America is bad. Bad. But then... Bad like, like, because it's bad, man, you know it. Like a, like a Michael Jackson kind who of Who is that? Oh, that was Leon Kompowski. Okay. He's a bricklayer who occasionally recorded songs. Oh, okay, okay. I, I assume that was a good impression of Leo Kompowski, but I'm not familiar with him. Sure. Definitely wasn't bad. <laughs> oh, uh, we like to laugh, but there is a serious side to this podcast as well. Oh. Yeah. It's, um, look, if you're addicted to, um, if you're addicted to meth, uh, then what? please seek help. This episode's got my brain twisted. That was um, that was very methy corner. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, most corners in my house are very methy corners. So if Lisa hates this senator Congress- and everything he represents, congressman, I think. Congressman, well, yeah, she hates the congressman. Then, I mean, wait till she finds out about like the rest of the American political system. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> far out. And especially in. The year 2017, when we're recording this, when things are even crazier than usual in Mm, the world, mm. this whole episode where everything sort of corrects itself feels very out of place. Yeah. When we, you know, currently have, you know, the president of the United States supporting like an actual pedophile. Yeah. (laughs) It's, uh, fuck, it's, fuck, it's a weird time to be alive. And, um, not as weird though, as when we see President H.W. Bush. He's the president in this episode, isn't he? The older of the Bushes? Because it was George... Is his dad it's H- George Senior. Oh, it's George, George Senior. Who's yeah. H then? Anyway, I'm That around. might be a middle initial. Boss. Oh, yeah, maybe. Um, so we see George Senior, um, whose character model looks, to me, quite a lot like Beavis or Butthead. Not, yeah, a little more sure. Butthead than Beavis. You more... pointed that out. While we were watching, you said, why is the president Beavis or Butthead? And I laughed for about a minute and a half straight because it was very, very correct. I recommend anyone goes, uh, has a, ha- have a quick squeeze at Frinkiac. Um, and, uh, just type in Beavis. Just type in Beavis. Yep. It'll take you straight there. Uh, so, yeah, and we see him uh, removing this congressman 
from office stamping a paper saying, huh, oh, that should make my bosses happy. And then some... We're meant to take this guy as like a South African diplomat, I suppose, yeah, in his I office. So. And he says, your bosses? That's right, all 65 million of them. Very weirdly simpering portrayal uh, of uh, George Bush. Uh, yeah, I'm not into that. The president that the Simpsons would later have an open feud with. Mm. Mm. It's very strange. There was part of me that wondered if the overlords at Fox came in and said, you can't just make this entire episode you think Dashing. Rupert Murdoch himself walked in and said, Look, someday from now, my house is going to burn down. Until then, are you aware that Rupert Murdoch's house burned down like today? Are you serious? Yeah, I'm serious. I didn't know that. That's yeah, amazing. Yeah, his house burned down. Yeah, right. Yeah. Was the problem too... So many? that wasn't just an incongruous... That's what I thought it was. Just imagining. yeah. I thought you were just going deep down non sequitur lane. Oh, I shouldn't have told you that. You would have like checked the news tomorrow and freaked out. I would have thought that you were Phoebe from Charmed, the one that has premonitions. <laughs> yeah, Phoebe from yeah. Uh... from Friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was trying to think of a way to tie that back together that was more subtle, but I couldn't. yeah, no, fair enough. But yeah, Phoebe, the one that spends all the time at Central Perk. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've got nothing else to say about Mr. Lisa goes to Washington. <laughs> I thought it was nice at the end that Bart is supportive of Lisa's essay, which was very clearly Cesspool on the Potomac, I think it was called. Yeah, Cesspool on the Potomac. Very yeah. clearly the best essay of any of the ones read in this episode. Belter of an essay. The only one that actually got to the central truths. Yes. Mind you, it is hard when you're up against something as quality as thing, religious freedoms, thong, liberty. Yeah, my and favorite. The, of the I mean, the winning, winning fucking essay is called USA AOK. This is toothless. This is a fucking toothless episode. Toothless. This is like me after I visited my dentist. <laughs> toothless. <laughs> Not like the dentist though, who was mad toothed. Yeah, it should have been more like my dentist, who is unusually toothy. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Good morning, my name's Unusually Toothy. Now, have you heard of nominative determinism? Jesus (laughs) (laughs) This fucking episode. What are we doing? This is going to be the one. This is going to be the one where the internet cancels our ability to make this podcast because we're so fucking stupid. They're going to come back to us and say, "No, nah, you've cooked it. You're done." This is like this is going to be the one where somebody tries to introduce their partner to the podcast, <laughs> and their partners just see they're saying, "What the fuck is this? No, Who got... are these fucking idiots you've been listening to?" No, they've they've, they've got really interesting theories about the show, and they 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 delve into a whole kind of hidden scenes of no, no, no. They just don't know the difference between Friends and Seinfeld. <laughs> They talk about Reader's Dungeon for 15 minutes in the middle of it. <laughs> they, had an argument, they had an argument about the correct way to design 10 kilos of chocolate. What the fuck are they doing? I thought this podcast was about The uh, Simpsons. I come from the 10 kilos of chocolate. <laughs> I'm sorry, we were talking about chocolate? That was 10 kilos ago. <laughs> The important thing is that we've enjoyed this one a great deal. <laughs> ah, shit. I'm sorry. <laughs> Broken neck. <laughs> We're going to get to that episode this season. <laughs> Gee, I've never seen you laugh this hard. Was it even a joke? <laughs> What did we learn this week? Thanks for tuning in to Pods of the Key of Springfield. <laughs> Join us next week when hopefully we're more sane. Yeah, we'll, um, <laughs> we'll talk about The Simpsons next week. Uh, hope everyone had a nice Christmas. Uh, 
And, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Like, subscribe, etc. Weasel Wuzzle. That was 10 kilos ago. Fuck. <laughs> Can we even put this episode up? Do we need to have another crack at this? No, I think we're good. I think we're fine. It's a free podcast. It's fine. <coughs> oh, oh, I'm almost crying. I'm almost crying. <laughs> that was ten minutes ago. <laughs>